When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, gotta gotta walk the Kenobi finale off, man. I'm gonna rewatch <laughs> that and then take take a good long walk. Yeah, it's that that got me in the feels. Like, I'm not saying it was perfect Star Wars content, but out of all, out of all the Disney Plus stuff they put out, it's probably the best they've done so far. I want to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was actually talking to my brother about this. Like, I, I think you can have some legitimate gripes or issues with the show in general, just like kind of certain directions they went. But that episode, that finale was that's that's core Star Wars viewing for any future fan going forward. Like, yeah yeah it's like prequels what then kenobi right into that like don't yep. don't worry about the animated shows like that'll explain everything in between but like just worry about kenobi right now yeah yeah it's i look forward to the day when i'm going to show my kids like sit down go prequels kenobi rogue one and then original trilogy anyway folks this is a bleacher creatures yankees podcast and the <laughs> star wars adjacent uh, dialogue episode 133 <laughs> Excuse me. Brought to you as always by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, Excel Media, Warwick Gaming, and as always Rivercrest NYC. Uh, we are not going to have the Michael Jordan flu game of podcast today, folks. I am fully recovered from that ear infection. Still got a little bit of a cough, but such is life. Uh, can't believe can't believe we did that last week. Yeah, it was it was officially an ear infection. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't. I don't know whether I went to urgent care either like the day before or the day after recorded that. But yeah, it was definitely an ear infection. They gave me, um, oh, actually they're right here on the desk. Got me these antibiotics right nice. here. These like giant pink uh, horse pills. Uh, but yeah, cleared everything out. Uh, it, it was gnarly to this. You ever have like an ear infection and then you're, you get on the meds and then you just kind of feel it all drain out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like your, your ear unclogs and then some. You're like, oh, that's, that, that's a good feeling, but also kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I don't know who was calling me there, but don't they know we're podcasting? Huh? I know, right? I, I gotta figure out how to how to like unsync my my phone from the uh, from the computer. Anyway, let's get right into Yankees talk. Um, we'll talk about the Blue Jays and subsequent Rays series in a little bit, but on Friday, Alec Aaron Judge has an arbitration hearing, and it sounds like he's really going to test the market this year. You haven't heard anything about an extension being agreed to beforehand. Yankees are offering 17 million. He's asking for 21. I don't see how the arbitrator rules against him, especially this year. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, yeah, as you said, he's got 25 home runs on the year. I'm like, maybe they, he could have ruled against judge at the beginning of the season, but I don't know how you look at his body of work this year and just be like, Oh yeah, he's not worth. What was it? 21 million you said. Yeah, that's what he's asking for. Not, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get. It. And you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm nervous, I'm concerned. 
because Judge is such a crucial part of the team. Yeah. And the future, especially like, you know, regardless of how long of a contract extension he may work out with um, by the end of the year, you have to imagine that the Yankees true window of like go for it all is probably in the next three to four years. Yeah. Um, And I just don't know how the team will handle doing that if he's not on the team. You know, like he, he's such a driving force behind it. And, and, and you know, yeah, the way yeah. Cashman kind of hardballs his players, it, it's concerning. I mean, you know, we, we've seen it before with guys who, and no disrespect to judge, but we've seen it before with guys who meant a lot more to the organization than he has. It's a very daunting feeling knowing that Aaron Judge could very well decide to leave the Yankees and just take the money to go wherever. I know that the uh, I know that on their podcast, Joel Sherman and John Heyman, they listed the Giants as a potential uh, as a potential spoiler, just because you know he's from California, like Central Cal, especially. Yeah, and um, not only that, you're right. Cashman does kind of have a tendency to play hardball, but it also begs the question: Brian Cashman has had this job for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like since 1998, he is like 30 years old. He has been in the GM's chair. In that time, looking back on guys who have signed with the Yankees, left the Yankees in free agency, guys who he's traded, it's hard to find a player who Cashman has traded and it worked out badly for the Yankees because they went on to star elsewhere. Robinson Cano, okay, like everyone was ready for his head on a spike. What has he? Mm-hmm. What has he done since then? He's out of baseball before the contract's even up. Yeah, with a couple suspensions to his name as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and similarly, um, who else? Who else? Uh, Didi Gregorius considered the heartbeat of the team with all like he's like after the wins, all the Twitter with all the emojis. Went to the Phillies, hasn't done much since. Yeah, no, no, I completely understand. Yeah, Um, but judge, but judge is very different just because he is kind of in that same class of Giancarlo Stanton where. To, on the eye test, it's a once-in-a-generation type talent. You, you talk all the time, oh, I'm, I'm hitting 50 again this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are the guys who can just say, I'm going to hit 50 this year and actually go out and do it. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, like 50? Okay, cool. I mean, we're talking – there was a while there where we were talking he could get 60. Like, yeah, you know, Judge, if you, if you – like, really, if you think about it, Judge is a top – five player in the league maybe top yeah. three yeah like you know he when he's healthy and again everyone you know yeah the best Held ability of you know, yeah i'm like the best ability of all players availability like we all recognize that but when he's healthy i i personally feel like that gap between him and a guy like trout is significantly diminished and but then even again, like you know, you got a guy like Trout who, if he's healthy, you know, it's it's the same boat. So if if you're sitting up there and you think of the two, the top three guys, I think you can base off of just brand recognition. It's Trout, it's Judge, and probably at this point now, Otani. But like, yeah, you know, and and even now, like you say, you say, oh, Trout's the best player when healthy. We saw in the series against the Yankees, Trout, like he's not that old by any stretch, but he's also he's also been in the league long enough now, gotten enough reps on the bo- on the body that 
you can tell that he's getting to the point where there are times where he's not seeing the ball as well, where he just kind of he gets himself into a funk. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, there's a uh, we're, this is at threat of going into a tangent here about Trout, but um, you know, there's a giant hole in Trout swing, and pitchers just are unable to exploit it. Is there really? I I don't understand why pitchers just don't, don't do it. My, uh, Mike Trout does not hit a high pitch and an inside pitch well. I think like we've seen, yeah. I mean, I think we saw in the in the, uh, in the Yankees series that they were really taking advantage of that because I, I do recall he was getting pitched high in sight quite a bit in that series. Yep, yep, yeah. You you challenge him with high heat and you challenge him in, he's not going to hit it well. And like, look, that's not like a diss on him. A lot of hitters don't hit those pitches well. Well, yeah, because yeah, the whole point with a big bat is that you want to get him up and in and, and tie him up. Yeah. But then you watch the series he had against Seattle, and it's like, what the hell are they doing? Just throw up and in on him. If you walk him, you walk him. If he dies, he dies. It's like, <laughs> but just like, do, do not give him a pitch to hit. No, no, we're not giving a pitch to hit. No, and, we'll just pound the zone. Dare, dare him to hit our best pitch. Yeah. Okay, like, and he will. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and it's kind of the same thing. The judge is not very good at like the low and in pitch, you know, especially that kind of fading changeup. Every hitter has these weaknesses that that they can't you know improve on but then pitchers maybe pitchers just don't know where they're throwing the ball at. well I'd, I'd imagine guys like judge and stanton by extension and we'll and we'll throw joey gallo in this conversation too just because they're all so damn big that they i'd imagine they have a harder time reading balls down in the zone um than others because like we've seen how many times uh judge gets burned by that low strike yeah, but like you know, and, and I think we saw him get burned on that swinging wise a lot earlier in his career, and then now he just kind of yeah. really just gives up on it. It's like, hey, if, they, if the umpire calls it a strike, he's going to call it a strike. It, I'm not going to swing at that unless it's yeah. like a hanging curveball, or and I can go down and get it. So, I've uh, seen, yeah, now that you mentioned it, the only big power hitter I've seen um, get the hit those balls real down the zone was David Ortiz in his prime. Uh, another guy is Pete Alonzo. Oh Pete yeah, Alonzo yeah, is fantastic. He's one of the most athletic hitters, which is funny because it seems like he never does anything athletic. Like the dude is so goofy, and when he even when he tries to pimp a home run, it's like the most cringeworthy thing I've ever seen. But the way Donaldson was pretty bad in Toronto the other day. Oh well, I saw people loving that one. Uh, I think I think talking Jake and and John Boy Media were just like that was pretty cold. I, I think even uh, Jared Carabas from. I'll have to rewatch it, but just kind of like the little like backwards walk. It's like, all right, that, that, that that's a little too 90s hip hop for me, dude. So, so I, I remember there was one time, I think, I don't know if he was in Toronto. I think he was in Oakland. He had a walk-off home run. He, it's a, he kind of did the same thing, but you just see him start beaming with a smile. Right. <laughs> just, that was like the funniest thing I've, I, I've seen him do. Um, but yeah, like a guy like Alonzo, um, he gets into his legs really well and he – I don't want to say golfs the ball off the ground, but yeah, like, just works under it so well. And like probably the best hitter in the game who does that. Him and Trout are probably the best ones to do yeah. it. Yeah, but I don't know. It should be an interesting hearing. I mean, if I'm if I'm Judge's agent going into this meeting with the Yankees, I'm going to Cashman and I'm saying like, you see the numbers, I see the numbers. Is this really the hill that we that you're going to die on? Let, let's just actually sit down and talk to each other. Let's build this relationship. Yeah, and and you know, and that's the frustrating part. It's like, is this really the hill that Cashman wants to die on? Because, you know, 
you give all that money to Hicks and credit to Hicks. Hicks has turned it around. You know me, I've been very critical, but Leon I mean, he, he's, he's still, it's still, he's succeeding, albeit in kind of like an ugly manner. He's not getting, except for the triple the other night, his hit, the hits he's been getting have not been pretty. Right. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day is they don't ask how they ask how many. Yeah, you're um, right. But you know, it, it just seems like we like Cashman finds himself in this himself in this situation where you got a guy who you need to pay, but then you have all this money tied into guys you didn't need to pay. Like 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 a guy like Hicks, you took on the money for Donaldson, and and no, and like I I prefer to have Donaldson at third than you know having Gio Urshela there. Like Donaldson's I just, having a low key elite season in the field too. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a fantastic defender. Age is not. It's astounding. He's almost like he's defying age. Almost, I think he's got. A, I think he's had his DRS uh, most recently was plus six, and that's a career high for him. Yeah, I mean, like, but I I don't know how. Like, I don't. I just don't know how Cashman can sit there and be like. I don't like we we don't want to spend the money on this look, kind of player when it's like but you're spending the money on these different players who are less important. Look, I think I, I think that the initial offer that Cashman made that was more than fair. That was a perfectly reasonable offer. I agree. I think that now you realize okay, he's gotten his health under control. Maybe he's he's only performing this well because it's a contract year. Mm-hmm. So I, I said it. I said in a piece I did recently. This is going to go one of two ways. He's going to go either the Bernie Williams route and they're going to eventually come, he's going to play the market, then go back to the team he's known his whole life. Or he's going to go the Robinson Cano route and uh, take the money and run. And then we just, we're just going to have to trust if Cashman's willing to let him walk, he's got some reasons for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to suck. And I hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah, I think the only, (laughs) my unrealistic demands would be, okay, Juan Soto better be a freaking Yankee. Like that, seriously. That's the, you know, that's the only guy I would sit there and be like, or, okay, if we're losing Judge, that's the guy I want. Or, uh, or a Volpe or Peraza comes up and they've got like double thirty home run power. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, but we can't really base our uh, our hopes and dreams on on those kids just now. Um, I'm looking at the uh, outs above average leaderboard on uh, Statcast. Yeah. Or baseball savant Donaldson is seventh with two outs above average. He's prevented two runs, and uh, in fifth is DJ LeMahieu. Nice. He's three outs above average. So we've had some really good defense. The from... fielding's a lot better this year after oh, yeah. there was a dumpster fire last couple of years. Oh yeah, you can. But let's uh, let's shift to the team's performance as a whole. Okay, even with last night last night's loss to the Rays aside, this team's doing exactly what it needs to be doing still. Absolutely, absolutely. I yeah. you cannot sit there and complain at all about this run. Um, boy. Like, like you, yeah. you can you can nitpick certain things in the losses here and there, like like in the um, Sunday against the Blue Jays when the Yankees lost ten nine. All right, I wouldn't have had Luis Severino start the sixth inning. I would have gone right to uh, Miguel Castro and just and just like cut it off at the pass there. Yeah, that that's that's a thing that Boone does a lot. It seems where for whatever He's reason. A lot better he'll, about he'll... it this year though. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like I've seen it once or twice more with like a guy like Severino. He try he throws him out there and he tries to get him that extra out, and some and a lot of the times it seems like uh, Severino doesn't get it, and then all of a sudden yeah. you're putting your bullpen in a higher leverage situation than it needed to be in the first place. I mean, you're um, you're you're a catcher too, so you'll say you'll agree with me when I say this about the Sunday loss. Textbook example of how walks will kill you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That by, by a thousand cuts. 
Yeah, absolutely. You just keep giving them, especially to a team like the Blue Jays. Like, you know, they've had their issues. And in the beginning of the year, they've had their issues scoring uh, or driving in guys who are in uh, scoring position. But, you know, that team is just so deadly and, and so dangerous. So One, one thing that, I, that I've also noticed about the Blue Jays, not just this last series, but over the past couple of years, too, like the real prime. OK, we're introducing Vlad and Boba Shed, like really once they've started coming up, they really don't chase a lot of pitches out of the zone either. No, no. Uh, they, I, I think Bichette was one of the guys where he first came up. He was really good at his chase rate. I don't know what their numbers are at right now. I haven't looked. Um, but, yeah, you know, they got a pretty, like, Yankee-esque approach to it. It's like they're going to make you yeah. work for it. So, and, yeah. and look, at the end of the day, does the loss suck? Yeah, because you had that, like, such a good lead to begin with. Yeah. Um, but the offense showed up. Yeah, the bullpen didn't get it done, but the bullpen is allowed to have a clunker here and there. You know, yeah. Nestor's allowed to have a clunker here and there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we we talked last show about how every Cy Young candidate along their ro- their road to winning the trophy, they're going to have a couple bad starts in there. Nestor had a bad one in Toronto. Look what the Yankees did to Alec Manoa, who they have not been able to hit up until yeah. that game, and then sure enough, oh, they tagged him for four runs. Exactly, exactly. Look, I mean, then you got Garrett Cole's start against Minnesota, and then look what he did against the Rays. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what, what are they played? They played five games uh, so far, or six games against two uh, between Toronto and Tampa. Was it a four game series against Toronto? Uh, no, it was. Uh, oh wait, no, it was a. Uh, it was a three. Here, let, me, let, me right, double, so, let me double check. It was either a three or a four. Why can't so I remember played, anything? They played five games and they're three and two. Uh, yeah, it was. They played five games. All right, so they they swept uh, the Rays at home. Oh, oh yeah, I'm actually forgetting about that. So yeah, so swept the Rays at home. One, two, three. yeah, they're five games on the road. They're three and two. Five games on the road, three and two, and then that that Tampa game or Tampa series was three or four. I can't remember. The one at home was three. Okay, so they played eight games and they're six and two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell what, you what, what, happens, what happens if they play 500 ball for the rest of the season, right? You know, they're, yeah. They're gonna and just should, and not only that, so many times last year we saw the Yankees they'd be they'd be trailing in the let's say the first or second inning and the game was over. Mm-hmm. This year, yeah, they've lost some games. They've never lost their fight in those games, though. Yeah, vitally uh, yeah. important for any championship team or any championship uh, team that's trying to win a championship. Yeah. And just, look, and just looking at the Rays' loss last night for their context, okay, uh, Nestor Cortez was facing the Rays for the third time in about a month. So they were probably picking up on his stuff. You saw with uh, Isaac Paredes and Harold Ramirez, they were waiting for the cutter on the inside, and they were just timing accordingly. The fact yep. that Isaac Paredes, who's hitting 188 on the year coming into the game, hits three home runs, okay, it's a freak win. It's a freak win for the Rays. And, oh, surprise, it's in Tropicana Field, the Rays were doing a bullpen game. The Yankees never do well under those circumstances. They just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, you, you just kind of, like, wash your hands and you're like, all right, on yeah. to, you know, the final game of the, of the series. And, you know, still have a chance to win the series. And, at, yeah. and what, what's the lead right now? 11 games? Uh, well, here, let, here let's see, because the, the Blue Jays are playing this afternoon. So the Blue Jays are currently up 7 nothing on the White Sox uh, <laughs> in the top of the sixth inning. So if they so if uh, the Blue Jays um, win 
that Yankees lose tonight. Yeah, it's 11 games, so nobody either – so they nobody gains or loses ground. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a full reset. I'll, I'll, although, no, I take that back. The Red Sox have bumped themselves up in third place right now. Okay. Like, again, this is how important it is that in your first, you know, almost 70 games and you've already won 50 of them, so you're allowed to drop a few here and there, and it requires these other teams – to go on unbelievable runs, which it seems like Toronto has done before, Boston has done before, and Tampa has done yeah. this year. And how much ground did they actually gain? Little none. to none. Yeah, none. That like again, that's the importance. And you know, Twitter is a cesspool, and you see sometimes overreactions. But right. uh, don't go on Yankees Twitter, folks. It's a terrible, terrible place. Oh my God, I saw something. Yeah, it's like, what are we complaining about? Like, and you know me, you know me, I. I tend to have like pretty high standards when it comes to the Yankees. This is, this is a bad loss. Whenever this happened, you heard it a lot last year. I, I I wasn't watching the game. I was at work last night, and I saw the final score. I was like, "Oh, Yankees lost." Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just on about judge, day. I don't judge, judge almost tied it at the end too. Like I was I was um I was out on my porch just like getting some air, and then I see out of the corner of my eye, Judge is up pinch hitting. I turn around and oh. It's a fly ball, caught at the wall, so almost right. tied it. The, fa- the fact that Marwin Gonzalez, of all people, cranked the two-out, two-run shot to make it 5-4 in the ninth, th- this is a tough and gritty team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to see the New York group. That said, the Astros series coming up, That's I have some concerns about that, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have concerns. Uh, it's just it's, it's going to be a tough, tough series. Yeah, because like they're 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 one of the few teams that can actually match the Yankees in terms of pitching. Because Justin Verlander is having a phenomenal comeback season. Oh yeah, my um, fantasy team knows that for sure. <laughs> but at the same time, you got to take you got to hope. Okay, well we've been the Yankees have been hitting the ball a lot better where the Astros haven't, and their success right now comes mostly from being in a very bad division. So yeah, yeah I mean like the the West is almost kind of like uh, the Central Light this year. In terms of, yeah, because uh, yeah, a we, lot of with the Angels collapse, God, like that, that really changed the landscape of the whole division. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of disappointing performances to come out of some of these other divisions. I mean, yeah, the, I think it was are, are, we, are we surprised? Are we surprised about the Angels? <laughs> I mean, you you want to see guys like Otani and Trout do well, but I mean. Yeah, like, I mean, we're not surprised, surprised by the Angels, but we're. I am surprised that they lost so many games in a row and then canned their manager like before the All Star break. Yeah, yeah, I might talk about a panic move. Yeah, like, well, and and uh, I think John Heyman, who you've heard me criticize a lot, yeah, uh, wrote a pretty interesting article I thought for the New York Post a few days or like a week or two ago about like the Otani conundrum. Yeah, it's like, what are the Angels going to do? Are they going to re-sign Otani to the value that he's worth? And if they if they do that, it's a death sentence. They're not going to be able to build around that. Yeah. Well, unless, like maybe Otani will take a significant pay cut to help they fill out the team around him. He shouldn't. He doesn't owe the Angels anything. No, they, um, I, I think that knowing Artie Moreno, he's going to try to he's going to try to unload Rendon's contract, kind of the way the um, uh, the Tigers tried to unload Prince Fielders. Yeah, but who's going to take it? Like. Who, uh, yeah, exactly. They're like, <laughs> like they, he, he would have to he would have to package their top 
prospect guys who are, again, are not even doing that well. Like you would have to try to say, hey, take Rendon. We're going to give you Joe Adele. They'd, like, also, they'd, they'd have to like half gut their farm system too. Yeah, yeah. Like, so no, I don't think any team is going to feel bad for them. They're going to do them any favors. My yeah. biggest disappointment out of the AOS is Seattle. Yeah. I was, they, I was hoping they were going to take that next step, but they're in a free fall. It seems I don't like. know what it is about the Mariners, man. Like, because 538, uh, five, six years ago, it did a deep dive on the Mariners. And statistically, they are the most unlucky team in history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, Anyway, uh, but the Astros will be tough. Uh, I hope that we at least get a series split out of that because as far as I'm concerned, that's the ALCS matchup coming up. We'll see. Might be early. But shifting gears, um, it's now time, folks, for some way too early trade deadline talk. The trade deadline is August 2nd. We're recording this on June 22nd. (coughs) Excuse me. But we all know that the Yankees are probably going to do something at the deadline, Alec. And the more I think about it, it's got to be the bullpen because Chapman, he's hurt, but he's still unreliable. <clears throat> Jonathan Lelizaga, he's still working his way back. Chad Green's a big loss. Are you going to feel more comfortable if this team adds another bullpen arm? Because I sure am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you can never have too many bullpen arms. Uh, you can't have too many guys who are going to be ready to go out of that pen. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of – in regards to Chapman and Loizaga, like those would be additions in and of themselves whenever they come back. Right. Um, you know, you're Chapman, I think, throws a bullpen money. tomorrow. What's that? Chapman, I think, throws a bullpen tomorrow. Well, well, there we go. Um, so, yeah, I would be very, like, I think adding another arm will be crucial. My question is just where is that arm? Well, lucky for you, I've got some names to rattle off. Okay. Okay, so we're going to kick things off. First guy on my list, Michael Gibbons. Michael Gibbons? Former O? Former Oriole Michael Gibbons, who's currently with the Cubs right now. He's not having the best year, but I think I figured out why. Uh, He's not throwing his fastball as much, which which he's – he doesn't have the same velocity anymore, but he's still in the 93rd percentile in terms of fastball spin. Okay, but his ERA is somewhere in like the low mid fours, and it's I think it's because the Cubs have him throwing his slider more often as opposed to his changeup, which has always been like his his best secondary pitch at least in his in his prime years. With the Yankees as a late inning guy, okay, at worst he's Miguel Castro, and you just have to worry about the walks. At best, he knows the division three point four five career ERA against the AL East. Yeah, yeah, that could be a good experience arm to pick up. Because uh, he's he's thirty two. Thirty two. He, he looks like he kind of throws a slightly different arm angle. I haven't seen him pitch in a while. Right? Yeah, he's he, a little three quarters. He, yeah, he's kind of got like the whole like three quarter sidearm thing going on. Uh, still strikes guys out. Still has a good expected batting average. Uh, they're not going to chase, and they might draw walks against him. But again, just someone to help get the the bridge to Holmes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. The definitely a, a low leverage dude to get you to the big guns. Yeah, I don't mind that. All right, option number two, real throwback here, a former rookie of the year turned great reliever, Michael Fulmer. Interesting. You know... Slider machine, lots of soft contact, big whiff rate. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've never been big on Fulmer, but looking at his numbers, looking at the underlying metrics, yeah, I don't... 
I honestly looking at that, maybe I would prefer him than over Givens. Yeah, I mean, be- between the two, it's I'd rather have Fulmer just because, yeah, he's a fly ball pitcher in Yankee Stadium, but he also doesn't get burned by hard contact. He's like really mastered his slider. I think he throws like a fastball and changeup still a little bit more. Uh, yeah, again, yeah, he's I, not giving up anything on his slider. Yeah. It's got a yeah. negative seven run value and he's throwing it 230. Negative seven. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So with him, with him, then you're running the risk that, okay, maybe they'll get like some cheapy home runs off of him because Yankee Stadium is a matchbox. Um, yeah. But again, like he knows how to pitch in that in the face of these arm injuries, he taught himself how to pitch again, not just how to throw, how to actually pitch. I mean, you said it yeah. yourself with the slider numbers just now. Yeah. I, uh, Okay, that's that's a good one. What else you got? All right. Hear me out on this one. Uh-oh. This guy, he disappeared for a while. He's resurfaced out west, and he's been money. He's a little older, but he's an expiring contract, and he's actually kind of having a career season. Former Red Sox standout, Daniel Bard. Oh, okay, okay. So I actually looked at Fangraphs recently. He's got a career-high case for nine going right now. Like the problems are still there. He's a high-velocity guy who can, who draw, who draws a lot of walks, but he's also throwing the ball harder than he has his entire career. His average fastball velocity, I think, is close to ninety-eight. Yeah, he's just blowing the ball by guys. He's got a one point nine eight ERA with the Rockies out of the Rockies bullpen. Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at his numbers right now. Again, he's 36. He's an older guy. I think he turns 37 after like, – yeah, he turns 37 on Saturday. I looked this up. He's about to turn 37, and he's pitching like he's 27. He's a sinker baller. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, minus two run value on that sinker. His, his best pitch looks like it's a slider. So good sinker-slider mix. Okay, great. So, so, that, so we'd essentially have two Clay Holmes in the bullpen. Yeah, well, then that actually makes you wonder, like, what can he do in the hands of Matt Blake? Yeah, and at age and at age thirty-seven, no less. Yeah, man, you're you're you 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 did your research on this. I, you got me sold on Bard and 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 possibly on Fulmer. I like like. Okay. Yeah, we we got two left. Are you are you ready for the next one? Oh boy, All is right. one of these David Robertson? I'm not going to answer that. Uh, well, okay, okay. Well, you know what? Fine. Let's leave it right here. Yes, David Robertson is one of them. Uh, and yes, I I will explain why. He's 37 years old, but Alec, you know me. I've always loved David Robertson. Love hearing Sweet Home Alabama come on at Yankee Stadium. It's perfectly reasonable to see why he would benefit, and the Yankees would, from a third tour in the Bronx. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the guy who brings uh... – kind of that steady presence in the back, even though he's not what he used to be. Um, he's, he's a guy who's been there, who's done that. Um, I like looking, let's see what his numbers are. 99th percentile for fastball spin, uh, 99th for expected batting average, 87th for average exit velocity. So yeah, this guy basically, basically didn't pitch for three years and is back like he, like he never left. Yeah, he's got some – he still has some good movement on his pitches. He's not getting hit around hard. It's certainly not what it used to be. Get this. In 2017, his curveball had a minus 12 run value. 
<laughs> um, this year it's only at a minus three, but again, that's still well. He's thirty-seven, so <laughs> um, no. But Robertson, you said he's a steadying presence. Not only that, this is someone who can serve the bullpen in multiple roles. He can be your standard middle relief guy. He can be a setup man. He can close. Yeah, yeah. He's he's your you know your Swiss Army knife for sure. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Especially with Chad Green, I think he'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think he would be a maybe a slightly more dependable Chad Green type. The, the only real thing against it um, – uh, wait, sorry. You were saying he'd be a more dependable Chad Green type. Continue with that. Well, just because, like, it seems like Chad Green's – the league has kind of gotten onto, onto Green. Yeah. And, and he's had a hard time trying to figure out what's the best way to not be – predictable we like we kind of know what he throws and how often he throws it and it doesn't he's lost some of that zip on the fastball yeah Um, so i i i feel like if i'm looking at david robertson's numbers here like expecting batting average is top one percent in the league expected slugging is top three percent i mean there's a lot of red which is good um but he's not going to be a guy who will blow it by them anymore. Like, but yeah, I, I yeah, feel like yeah. he's more crafty or more wily than Chad Green. Oh, yeah. So. Chad Green and Aroldis Chapman both have similar problems where if one of their pitches isn't working, none of their pitches are working. Yeah. Because if Chapman, does, if Chapman doesn't, have that, doesn't have his fastball, you better hope he has that slider and yeah. he's not hanging it up in the zone. Chad Green, similarly, if he doesn't have that fastball, you better hope the curveball's biting, or you better hope that he can at least paint the corners with the fastball instead of hanging it up in the zone. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at Chad Green's, like, kind of stat line and just his metrics. He hasn't been, like, good, good since 2017. And even his oh, even right. years after that seems to be more of a, just a byproduct of kind of luck. Yeah. Like, in 2017, a lot of red – High K rate, low walk rate. He had a one eight three ERA that year, and his expected ERA was two six three. So mm-hmm. even that was a little bit of luck, but that was his best mark until twenty twenty, when he had an expected ERA of two twenty two, but his actual ERA was three fifty one. So he had some like so it's kind of like it's like this interesting. When he does well, it seems like he's performing above his means. But then when he has like that in 2020, like he got shafted there. Right. But then right. everything else on that is kind of on par. 2019, a 417 ERA with an expected ERA of 417. Uh, 2021, an ERA of 312, an expected ERA of 322. 2019 then, was also a weird year for Green because that's when he was used as the opener a bunch. Not so much uh, the late inning guy. That's true. Um, and then this year before the injury, ERA of three, expected ERA of 329. It's, you know, it's different than what we what you see with David Robertson, who, you know, what you what you see on the traditional stat line with Robertson, you can pretty much see on the underlying metrics with like a negligible difference. There will be some risk in bringing him back just because of how he exited the last time around, because it, it was free agency. But you remember he. uh he kind of like with, allegedly withheld bonuses from some members of the coaching staff. Like, oh, that's right. The playoff bonuses. And then he basically said, oh, like that was Cashman's decision. It was it, like the team made that decision kind of deflected. 
the way I see it, a lot of the guys who were there when that happened aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, so I think enough time has passed where it's like, hey, this guy knows the team. He's been here before. He can pitch. He was on the 2009 World Series team. Just another almost Brett Gardner uh, type uh, influence in the yeah. clubhouse. All right. You ready for the last guy I picked? I am ready. All right. So as you're well aware, Alec, the Yankees are not shy about acquiring closers at the deadline or just adding closers in general and using them as setup guys. Yep. This guy, very successful closer. Has, I think he has one, maybe two World Series rings right now. The, he got an expiring contract, also a little older, Kenley Jansen. Hmm. Again, doesn't have a lot of velocity, but knows how to spin that fastball, strikes a lot of guys out. He's kind of like Rivera, throws the cutter. He's not nearly as dominant with it, but he can still close. He's got almost, he's got 368 career saves. And he's 34, and he's a weird fit in the Yankee bullpen, but he's pitching well enough that, I don't know, I think it would work. You think the Braves would trade him, though? Well, that's the other thing. It very much depends on where the Braves are in the NL East race this time uh, next month. Right now, they've been running hot, and they're in the playoff picture where they have no reason to trade him. But if either the Mets pull away or they collapse without Freddie Freeman, like they did earlier in the season, <laughs> then maybe they'll, the Braves will look to sell him off just because I think he's making between 15 and $18 million this year. Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, uh, to, you don't look at his numbers. Off. It looks it looks good. I mean, he's got a minus six run value on the cutter, um, which is pretty much on par with how it's been. Oh, damn! Never mind. In 2017, his cutter had a minus 19 run value, minus 19, and it's minus 12 now. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so we can still pitch. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then if you look at his ERA of 303, but an expected ERA of 195, he's not walking a lot of guys. He actually got his walk rate down from issues yeah. previous year, striking out. Pretty, actually, he's he's striking out at a higher level since he was as a Dodger in 2016-2017. Damn. Uh, he's, not, he's not getting hit hard. Yeah, hitters are not doing much. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that would be a good guy to go after. But I just, I, how realistic it would be, because you know you just got. Look, all this being said, all this being said, I don't think we should expect Cashman to land maybe any of these arms. I mean, I think I think there, if there's one he should prioritize, it should obviously be obviously be Robertson, just because of that pre-existing relationship. Mm-hmm. But. Look Look what he did last year. Oh, he got Clay Holmes out of nowhere. It just seemed like a nothing acquisition. Now he's the closer. So there's probably some random middle reliever who's got several arbitration years left who Cashman's been eyeing for years at this point who fans certainly aren't thinking of, who we certainly aren't thinking of. And he'll probably surprise us uh, in August, right? Yeah. As- yeah. I mean, it, you know, kind of like – full trust in Matt Blake that whoever they get is going to be the right guy. I'm sure, I'm sure he has a lot of input on it as well. Where the way Matt Blake has worked with this staff, man, I, on one hand, I'd be thrilled if he parlayed it into a managing job, but on the other hand, I don't ever want him to leave New York. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we should. He's been a this, godsend. If, if the Yankees win the World Series on the strength of the pitching, he needs to have a statue erected outside of Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Matt Blake, the statue. Oh, man, that is, that is a take. Mon- Monument Park put up a plaque. Just Matt Blake, and, he's, and he'll still be coaching, just the greatest pitching coach ever. Matthew Blake, here we go. Because now, now we no longer have to sit there and listen to people com- criticize the Yankees pitching. Oh, is the Yankees rotation good enough? Oh, they're more than good enough. They are yeah. more than good enough. Sub three ERA in June. Yeah. Uh, shifting back to the, to the bullpen help. And also, for all we know, maybe Cashman's plan isn't to add to the bullpen. Because remember, there's still a lot of in-house options. We already yeah. talked about Loisaga. He's about to start throwing again. Chapman, he's got a bullpen coming back. And for all we know, he could be lights out the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Britton, he had Tommy John. He's saying that he wants to come back in September and that he's been work- he was working with Verlander in terms of his recovery. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, he said, um, I forget who he talked to, but he pr- more or less said uh, with Verlander, the, the key to his recovery has been just, just believe that you're going to get back to where you are and that your arm will stay strong. Right, right. You kind of have to work past that self-doubt. Yeah. And they kind of let it loose. And, and, trust and now, it. now Verlander's 39 years old. He's having a Cy Young season again. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, Davey Garcia, too, could be an option if he keeps struggling as a starter. I mean, he's, he's hurt right now with a, with a finger issue, but I think we've seen enough over the past couple of years. He's not a starter. Yeah, probably not. Um, but one name I'm really interested in is going to be Albert Abreu. Oh, yeah, I forgot, forgot he came back. And then there's that oh, – who's that righty with the – righty, he's like in AAA. I think his last name is like – it's it's like – I want to say like Rorensky. Oh, uh, Hayden Wisniewski. Wisniewski, yeah. Um, yeah. Like that will be an interesting option because – J.P. Um, Sears too. J.P. Sears, Michael like – we already have Michael King and Clark Schmidt, but like, yep. you know, yeah, there are a lot of options and a lot of, a lot of internal – ways to go about it and then you can pivot at the deadline and you know maybe get an extra bench bat or figure out you you could also stand pat with a guy like uh ron marinaccio who's looked great with this changeup. yeah that's actually really encouraging um that he seems what he was sent down and then now he's come back and it looks like he really has figured it out Um, yeah because it 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 seemed early on because i i remember from er from his earliest appearances, I think I think during the Red Sox series or or shortly after, the general the general feel I got from him, maybe you did too, was okay. The stuff is there. He just needs to learn how to take a deep breath when there's runners on base. Yeah, yeah. He he kind of looked like a deer in headlights just a little bit, and and you you understand why. Dude grew up a Yankee fan. And yeah, Tom's is, River is he? An, yeah, I was gonna say another Tom's River kid. So yeah. anytime he's pitching in Yankee Stadium, they're going to be like. Oh, you know, this kid's from Tom's River, um, which I have family in Tom's River. I oh, dude, no I, was, River, I, was, I was 12 years old when Todd Frazier led Tom's River to the Little League World Series. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, this is a kid who's my age, who's a Yankees fan, lives just down the road from the city. He's won the Little League World Series, and now he is standing on the field next to Derek Jeter. I both loved and hated that kid so much, 12 <laughs> years old. And then he became a Yankee, and things uh, became full circle. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, w- I mean, wouldn't it be a story if he becomes a crucial part of 
you know this bullpen and it's, yeah. he's he seems to have figured it out is is you know you said it yourself his stuff plays his changeup's got a minus four run value his four seamer's got a minus three so he's pairing up those pitches really nicely and he doesn't have a ton of velocity either no his um was like 94 95 well, it says here his fastball below puts him in the 66th percentile. Um, where is the uh, – as I try to find this. Um, it, it's not overly important. It's just like – it's just more like we established, okay, Marinaccio is also an option. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he averages 94.4. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, like plenty of options. You kind of you kind of got, you know, a whole stable, as Kevin Cash would say. Yeah, and his stable is uh, it's kind of falling to the ground. Yeah, they're walking a tightrope. It seems like. I mean, we we said this in our old in our group chat uh, with the the big one from the old job for a while. Yeah, this is a cool idea, but on the whole, it's unsustainable because like just look at what what happened with with the Yankees like ten, like ten or so years ago when Scott Proctor would do so much. Okay, yeah, it's good to have all these reliable arms when you're when you're only using them as one two inning relievers and you're pretty much working the system where they don't where like they have to be ready to throw at the drop of a hat sometimes not like any set role that's going to wear on their arms well yeah not even just that it's like you have major leaguer you have major league starting pitchers who are not going to have their stuff every start they go i think uh, right. i think it was uh jack clarity or not uh, John Flaherty, who said um, on the broadcast, you're talking to Messina, and Messina was like, I'm good for 30 starts. 10 starts, I'm going to have my best stuff. 10 starts, I'm not going to have anything. And then 10 starts, I'm going to have to figure it out. Like that, that is the most Mike Mussina quote I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. That, that, is, so, that is spoken like an econ major from Stanford. Yeah. But like it, it, it makes sense. Uh, talking about those bullpen arms from all those years ago. Shout out to Aaron Small's ten and record in two thousand five. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you know, when you're when you're over relying on all these on all these relief pitchers, you're increasing the likelihood that there's just going to be one day in a stretch of games where they're not going to have it or two games where they're not going to have it. If a starting pitcher struggles to have it after five days, what do you think a relief pitcher is going to do? It's kind of like, you know, it was kind of my thoughts. I was um, following the game, they uh, the first game of the race series and, and Boone brought in Peralta. And I was questioning the move because like he just got hit hard in Toronto. He, ought, he clearly didn't have it. You got a close right. game in, here in Tampa. Why are we going back to him again? And sure enough, he got the job done, but sure enough, he had to find his way through it. Right. Yeah. So and that's like that's the tight rope you gotta walk a bit when you're throwing guys a lot. And 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 you know, I think Aaron Boone has handled the bullpen situation really well uh this season. But when you're you know, when you're a team like Tampa who that's like not just a crucial part of your game plan, but like a pillar of your game plan, yeah, it's gonna come back to bite you and like you can't just sit there, you know, you're not going to stick your hand in front of a snake and then be shocked that it bites you. <coughs> Excuse no. me. It's, it's strange because you can see with like, well, well, I don't want to say that this is the end of Tampa for sure, because in hindsight, they've just run headfirst into bad luck across, across the board this year with injuries, the offense not performing well. 
But in the prime Tampa years, we'll say, like we'll say like 2018 up until today, it's very clear that from Kevin Cash's perspective, the bullpen game, it's also kind of a head game, like we talked about. How like yeah. how hitters, they they're like constantly trying to pretty much guessing how to approach their pitching because it, they don't know who they're going to be facing in, in like any given inning. So on top of that, you now have, <clears throat> excuse me, you now have uh, a team that is pretty much on tilt and when they, ha- after just facing one raise, one raise uh, pitcher. And then this kind of allows the, the race to follow their method that we've seen them do of just capitalizing on one mistake. And mm-hmm essentially failing upward to a victory but when the backbone of that approach falters like we're seeing now that's why you see guys like Shane McClanahan like Shane Baz like Drew Rasmussen who they're hoping can be anchors in that rotation I mean Shane McClanahan looks like a beast even though like he's even though the Yankees tagged him for a couple runs but you really gotta wonder the Rays they they gambled on this for so long and now it looks like it's finally gonna lose yeah, uh, it's kind of just like one of those things where they set the they set the tone by doing it first, but then now they're going to have to adjust as other teams are doing it as well, and maybe are doing it a little bit better. Not, that's just the thing. It was a fad. Yeah, this was never a sustainable approach. It's like, all right, they're doing this, and now it's it seems hindsight's twenty twenty. They were doing this to wait for guys like McClanahan, like Baz, like yeah. Rasmussen, so they could actually do what they do and build a rotation with guys they don't have to pay. But I, I, I think, so, I guess what I mean is like they set the tone in terms of, you know, understanding what it means when a starting pitcher goes three times through a lineup or right. Yeah. Or like, you know, the hitter hits this, you know, to this side uh, of the field at this amount of time, which I don't know if it was you who mentioned it maybe in our last podcast episode, but like, or maybe it was someone in our group chat, but pretty ironic that a guy like Joe Madden gets fired for not trusting analytics enough when it was him in Tampa who really brought about the analytical age. Like, well, as, as, a, as a managerial, like, option. He, he also, he brought in the analytical age, but he also just brought in that, that brand of uh, Mike Socha Angels baseball where you're just kind of aggressive and scrappy and that kind of catches the other team off guard. Yeah, I mean it helps to have Ben Zobrist, but yeah, yeah, but at the yeah, but he also just had like he had all of his guys. Like there's certain players I think we could look at, and, and I'll go so far as to say G Man Choi is one of them. Oh yeah, G Man Choi, great Rays player. I think you could put him on any other team, and he'd be okay, but you but he wouldn't get nearly as much attention. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I mean, like they're they're a system team, the Rays, 100. percent Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it, and and it it works for some people, and then you know you move them, and it, and it falls apart. And now they're going to have to do this all without Manuel Margot too, and Kevin Kiermaier's hurt again. It's it's a rough year for the Rays, and as a Yan- as a Yankees guy, I'm 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 going to enjoy the wins. That's all I I have about. absolutely no sympathy. No sympathy. Okay, okay, come on. Okay, feel bad that Margo got injured at least. I, I mean, I don't really care much about Margo. Like, yeah, you never want to see a guy get hurt. Parted off. Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't see what happened. They said, uh, but I did see where they think it's a MCL sprain. Uh, they're saying it's a sprained knee, and that and Cash said he's going to miss significant time. Pretty, pretty much what happened. He jumped up to try and catch Hicks's triple, 
hit the wall really hard, then landed awkwardly on the leg and was down. It was it was kind of like a uh, Acuna situation. Uh, yeah. Although there, although when it, when Acuna made impact, you could tell. Okay, we know exactly what he did to his leg. Whereas with um, with Margot, you knew it was a leg injury of some kind. You just weren't sure what he did. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know what? No sympathy. No sympathy for anyone. All right, closing it out. Ice cold. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Do it for today, folks. You can find uh, me on Twitter at Josh Why you can find Alec at Alec underscore Monte Calvo. Um, you gonna go rewatch Kenobi right now? I, I gotta wait for the girlfriend to come home. Uh, oh, we we usually agree that we would watch it together, but I was just I think within two episodes, like nope, you go to work. If if I'm home, you're I'm on your work. own. Not happening. Yeah, on your own. I'll watch it with her. Also, yeah. I just want to say this camera is making me look like Kenobi a little bit. I was gonna say you you kind of got the Ewan McGregor thing going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I'll definitely be watching it again tonight. Um, I've kind of taken a page out of your book. I've been going through uh, Friday Night Lights again. Oh, all right. Just yeah. kind of like light watching. I started... I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm running through that. I'm running through Sopranos. Oh, we um, started Sopranos rewatch too. Yeah, well, so this is like my first time actually sitting down and watching through it. Um, oh, yeah, all right. But, keep, keep me so. posted. You're, you're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I'm like I'm like on season four right now. But Of oh, the Sopranos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. You're way. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I've been doing it for, I think, a month now or so. And it's funny. I started watching it and my girlfriend like, came in and she was kind of like watching it over my shoulder. And now she's engrossed in it. And she's like, don't watch anymore because I want to try to catch up. And I'm like, I'm like, at no, least a season ahead of you. Like, <laughs> All right. So. We're, we're, we're going to wrap this up right now, folks. Be sure to tune in uh, next week and we will we will have more baseball and maybe some more TV talk for you then, too. <laughs> All right.